Elliot Cadeau is coming to Chapel Hill a year earlier than expected. Riley Davis has some thoughts on the fit and what is it going to mean for Hubert Davis and the bench? You are locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, June 2nd, 2023. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. We are joined today by our guy, Riley Davis. He's in summer mode. The college students are gone, and it's time to talk some Tar Heels in the offseason. You everydayers, thanks for checking in on us as always. If this is your first time with us on Locked on Tar Heels, Welcome to the family. We're so glad you're here. So, Riley, we got a couple different things to talk about today. We got mm-hmm. a listener question about how Hubert Davis is going to use the bench now. Uh, you wrote an article recently about Harrison Ingram's fit at North Carolina, so we want to talk about that. But first, we want to talk about the big news of the week, and that is obviously Elliot Cadeau ultimately deciding to reclassify, as we've been expecting, and coming to North Carolina. Earlier this week, you posted a video with kind of your instant reactions mm-hmm. to that. I'd love it if you could unpack a little bit of that for us here in this space, and then let's just have a little bit of a conversation about it. For sure. Yeah. And again, thanks for having me on, Isaac. Always a pleasure to hop on here and talk some UNC hoops, especially in the summer where like <laughs> season still feels pretty distant, pretty far away. But, you know, it'll get here before we know it. So hopefully this will help, uh, you know, hold all the fans over and everything. But but yeah, with Elliot Cadeau, he's someone who I think even the fact that he enrolled this year, this upcoming season is a huge win for Hubert Davis because, you know, in this era of NIL and reclassing and promises and everything, you you never know when like someone's going to try to slide in at the last moment with a big old NIL bag and try to get <laughs> try to get a player to go elsewhere. I don't know if any of that yeah. was happening with Elliot Cato, but I'm happy that he's he's making it because I'm sure there could have been coaches out there who were trying to detract him from UNC, even with RJ Davis coming back. So uh but I have no concerns about that pairing between Cado and RJ Davis. Right. I, I think it's something where when you look at the best UNC teams, you've had two primary initiators. Uh, you've had, maybe I shouldn't say primary, but two guys who can initiate the offense from, <laughs> from Marcus Page and Joel Berry, those teams of, of 2015, 2016, to even Caleb Love and RJ Davis making it to the national title game two years ago. I, I always am a big proponent of having multiple shot creators on the floor, multiple ball handlers who can set teammates up and who can get their own shot. And that's exactly what Cadeau can do. And of course, the biggest attribute that he'll bring is passing. I think he, I, I said it in my video, but I think he truly is a transcendent passer. Uh, and I believe he could be the best we have seen in college basketball since Lonzo Ball. And wow. I'll, yeah. I'll temper expectations some and sort of play a little <laughs> devil's advocate with a reclass freshman because I don't want to put, you know, too many sure. expectations on sure. him. But that that ceiling is there for Cadeau. Man, that that would be wild. And that's a great pull, a great name. Love to think about that. And 
Um, I mean, it's funny to think about because, you know, he was part of that UCLA team the last time North Carolina won the national championship following that Marcus Berry, uh, Marcus Berry, Marcus Page, Joe Berry. <laughs> you know, it's conflated him. It works. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, with Marcus Page, that's something I've talked about a little bit is what uh, what a massive impact he will have on these guys working together to figure it out. Riley, as mm-hmm. you think about that. What excites you? I, I don't think you and I have talked about this. What excites you about Marcus Page uh, being on this staff in that player development role and the impact it can have on this backcourt? Yeah, as far as what Page is like as a coach, that's where I'm not I'm not going to come in with any intel or anything. Uh, but I think just based on what he was like as a player, like work ethic shouldn't really be a, a question. I think it's this hopefully doesn't sound like a backhanded compliment, but you know, he never really made it in the NBA. So <laughs> he, he doesn't have, I don't think he would have like loft, a lofty NBA funds to fall back on. So he's probably ready to grind and, you know, to look to make this profession, which I think is great. Just having that infusion of a, of a guy on the staff, who's going to really get after it. You, you want to see that in the, in the younger guys who are coming in. And, and even if he didn't, you know, ever play big NBA minutes, I think he's, he has played in an NBA game and played overseas as well. So just coming in with professional experience, especially I don't know what exactly his role will look like, but you got to think it'll help with even how he could impact RJ Davis with, you know, his senior year when we lost in the national title game, Joel Berry handled a lot of those ball handling responsibilities and the, it wasn't in Marcus's hands as much. The ball, the ball wasn't always with him. He had to learn to play off ball a little bit. And I'm really high on RJ Davis as an off ball player. I think I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he is a pretty near elite shooter off the catch. And I think he moves well without the ball. Like he relocates well, finds soft spots in the defense to get, to get a shot open. And I I think having Cadeau there, assuming that he adjusts to D one, the D one level of play fairly quickly, that should really benefit RJ with more easy looks and, yeah, you got to think that Marcus Page having played in a two-point guard system should help kind of ease that transition a little bit. That makes a ton of sense to me. Saying prayers right now for RJ Davis's right index finger that that will <laughs> hold up. But I mean, yeah, that that absolutely makes a ton of sense. And Riley, going back, I'm I'm right with you. Like in this era of NIL, to me, until they're signed and mm-hmm. on campus and it's a done deal, I am I am not resting. I mean right within the North Carolina program, there was all of that, like I switching sports, but with Drake may last off season, I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh man, who's coming in. And then ultimately there was that, that big relief in December when Drake may said he was staying, that's right. going to be across all sports. And so that's a great point that you bring up there. I want to go back and ask you about something else you said about, Hey, I'm not worried about Kido and RJ's ability to play together. And I think some people might wonder like, Okay, well, yeah, but why couldn't RJ and Caleb always figure it out? I know they did enough, as you said, to get mm-hmm. to that national championship game, but like, why not last year? What What would you say to the uh, not the doubters or the haters, but the uh, devil's <laughs> advocate players um, who are like, yeah, I, I hear you, but why couldn't mm-hmm. RJ do it with Caleb? That makes you think he will now with Elliot. Right. Yeah, I, I would hear that objection out and and give some credence to that, but. I personally, I think, you know, I, I cited how UNC at its best has two creators and we saw it work to work to almost a national championship in 2022 and sort of fell apart last year. Can't speak exactly into why that happened when it did or how things gelled perfectly and then fell apart as much as they did. But 
this would just be my own speculation. I think that, you know, RJ and Caleb have more overlapping skill sets than RJ and Cadeau do. I think they both want to create off the bounce. Um, they're both looking to score first. And that's where I know Cadeau has said multiple times in interviews that he is a pass first player that anytime he's running the fast break, like 10 times out of 10, he's looking to throw a lob. He's looking to, to get his teammate a bucket. Uh, and you see that with the way he plays, like the flashy passes are real. His live dribble passing off of either hand, he makes all the right reads. And that's where, to me, even with the, maybe some of the size concerns with Cadeau being listed at 6'2", RJ being listed at six foot, at least it, the offensive skill sets are much more complementary. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I, I, lo- I think that's the exact right point, Riley. You take the Venn diagrams <laughs> of like Caleb and RJ's skill set, and look at it, and the overlap, I think, has a lot more uh, surface area to it than does the Venn diagram of Elliot and RJ. And so, I, that, I mean, that's got to be the answer, why and how this is going to work in a good and healthy way for the Tar Heels. Now, assuming that this is the starting backcourt, which I think mm-hmm. we assume it will be, along with the others in the starting lineup, we'll talk about that in just a second. But what does it mean for how Hubert Davis utilizes his bench in year three, and is it any different than what we've seen the first two years? We'll talk about all of that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Hey, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. We're one game in to the finals now. I'm telling you, it's going to be over pretty quick, folks, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I love betting with FanDuel on anything sports-related because they have great promotions every day. Their app, it's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use, and you get paid instantly if you so happen to win, which I'm not very good at doing. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Riley. A little bit ago, I had a question from Jay Hardy on Twitter, at jhardy82. Jay, thanks so much for sending in your question. And he says this, can you do a show on the pressure Coach Davis has on playing the bench this season? Well, Jay, we're not going to spend a whole show on it today. We might at another point, but we got a segment for you, and I hope that's good enough. And so, Riley, let me, I mean, we, we've been talking starting lineups everyone has in various combinations. Uh, we've already kind of established in segment one that our, RJ and Elliot, we believe, will, we both believe will be the starting backcourt. We'll have mm-hmm. to wait and see what actually happens, what, how things play out. But it seems right now in early June that that's the case. Who do you have at three through five right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I would put Cormac Ryan at the three. Harrison Ingram at the four and Mondo at the five. And it's kind of tough to see that going any other way. Like I personally believe Cadeau will be the day one starter, but this would get into bench usage. And even, you know, it might sound a little contradictory how I said he could be the best passer in college hoops since Alonzo Ball, while also saying maybe tempered expectations a little bit with a reclass point guard. Uh, But I I would like to see theoretically – in a vacuum, I would like to see UNC bring him on a little more slowly, mm-hmm. kind of like Duke ease Tyrese Proctor into that role as their primary initiator last year. 
Yep. Uh, but I, I think you can't, you're not going to play Cadeau a ton off ball though, um, because he's so good on ball and that's he, his best strength is how he's able to get his teammates involved, push the tempo, get in the paint and find the open man. Uh, you're not going to take that away, but I wonder if there's a chance to start him out by just giving him maybe 20 minutes a game and letting RJ facilitate whenever he's sitting. But personally, I think there's so many question marks on this bench. Like that's my projected five. And even among that, we know RJ Davis, we know Armando are all ACC caliber players. I would say like Armando's already made an all American team. RJ, if he stays healthy, he can, he has that (laughs) ceiling to make an all American team. Uh, We've seen Cormac Ryan. He's been a good role player on a 10 seed Notre Dame team that won two tournament games. A good team, not great. Uh, And we've we've seen Harrison Ingram really just play for teams that have struggled at at two through two years at Stanford. And granted, he was the first option there, where I think he's probably more the third or the fourth option this year. But even with, I think Cormac and Ingram should both be solid role players and solid starters for us. But even with them, there's some question marks. But looking beyond those top five, I think, I mean, there's guys who got a lot to prove after those after those first five. Okay, so looking at it right now, there are six other scholarship players for North Carolina, and that would mm-hmm. be Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington, the returning sophomores. You've got Zayden High and Simeon Wilcher coming in, and then Jalen Withers and Paxson Wojcik as the other two transfers. So, Riley, I mean, do you see any world in which you – like to answer Jay Hardy's question here – uh, what what kind of pressure is there on Coach Davis to utilize any combination of those six players, and to what level will he do so? In your opinion, <laughs> I think the biggest pressure is you got to make sure you get Sim Wilshire and Jalen Washington minutes. Um, right. Sim, I would say, is the biggest priority, just because yes. I think like the dude was the it was an MVP at Peach Jam last year. I know he's fallen <laughs> a, he's fallen a good bit in recruiting rankings. I haven't yeah. really followed his high school seasons. But you see, he brings a level of athleticism that our team doesn't really have. Um, I know shot selection is a bit of a concern for him. And let's just say shot selection hasn't always been the a shining tenet of the Hubert Davis era thus far. <laughs> so there might be some stuff to iron out there. But I, I think when you look at his ceiling and you look at how he, he at one time he was a top 15 recruit. I mean, he was when he committed. He's someone who, you know, they're probably going to be back channel communications, you know, reaching out to Simeon all year. If he's not getting 15 minutes a game saying like, Hey, are you interested in playing at this school next year? Here's an NIL offer. We could cobble up. Like there will be that pressure to stave off those kind of back channel conversations and and get him on the floor with, with Jalen Washington. I think you see, you saw in spurts last year, just uh, that his mid range jumper, that, that turnaround jumper he gets from the post, like his face up game is so smooth to where you see, perhaps i don't know of an nba player but a future pro in there yeah um a lot of questions on the defensive end but but his offensive skill is so tantalizing and intriguing to where i'd love to see him earn more minutes you know if he transfers at the end of the year i don't want to speculate that or wish that on by any means i i think uh, big men are a little bit more replaceable in the transfer portal era like you look at this year the names like ernest uday aziz bandango hunter dickinson Jesse Edwards is probably other big, big yeah. names I'm forgetting about. Like you can Grant, find big Nelson, different Grant types. Nelson. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You can find a big man in the, in the portal, but the sort of the good guard slash wings with size, like a Simeon Wiltshire been a little bit of a scarcer commodity this year. So that's why I would want to prioritize uh, keeping him happy. 
Yes, exactly. And I mean, someone with just a different level of athleticism that we don't see with a lot of those other guys that that comes in. I mean, if you it, when Kado goes to the bench and you move RJ to the one, you got Simeon at the two. I mean, that's that's a combination I'm feeling really good about. Very mm-hmm. excited for what Wiltshire is going to bring. As, as to these other guys, I mean, um, Paxson Wojcik to me feels like probably more of a legacy thing just with his dad being at North Carolina. So uh, let's just say that for him. Do you feel any differently on what he brings to the roster? No. I mean, I think Wojcik's a culture guy and a really good practice player. Um, I think there's there are Carolina fans out there who are saying he's being overlooked. I think you're wrong. <laughs> An Ivy League coach told me the other day that he doesn't really think Wojcik has the talent to play significant minutes at UNC and said he could fill a role as someone who's going to move the ball, make open shots, but that's that's kind of about it. So I'm not expecting much from Wojcik other than to be – I think he'll be a really good scout team player. Um, and who knows? I, there is probably a world out there where he could sort of play a Joey Calcaterra-type role like you mm. saw from UConn this past yeah. year. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really expect much from him. Yeah. We talked about one of the returning sophomores in Jalen. What about Seth Trimble? There, there's just such a tantalizing, like – what he brings defensively. Obviously mm-hmm. the shot is needs a lot of work, needs a lot of progress this right. off season uh, to be part of it. But could you foresee a world ever in which like, Hey, basically the, the starting backcourt goes out and in comes Simeon and Seth together to run the second unit. Yeah, maybe uh, I would have some concerns with shooting. I, I think both of those dudes want to get in the paint and get to the basket, which uh, I would expect Sim to do that at a relatively high level for a freshman this year. Seth, it seemed like, you know, in the kind of through the exhibition games last year and I don't know, maybe the first couple of non-conference games against like mid-major competition, he was better at getting getting into the lane and getting to the bucket. But we saw that sort of fizzle out once the competition ramped up and he sort of got stuck a lot of times anytime he tried to, to drive the ball. So you know, you think year two, and he's Seth is pretty young for his grade. I think he and he and Elliot Cadeau are almost the same age. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's going so, the direction. Yeah, right. So th- that could be attributed to it as well. Um, so I think Seth could make some big strides, and I love that. You know, I want to say it was Inside Carolina who reported that kind of all throughout this offseason, his mentality has been like, "Hey, I want to fight for a role here. I want to compete for this." Um that it wasn't even really much of a consideration for him to transfer. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool to see. You love to see the the UNC family connection there and everything with his brother. Uh, but if he's really that committed to getting better, like, yeah, I would love to see him carve out a role cuz you know, we we might belabor this point, but this team lacks elite athleticism, and I think Seth that's Where sort of that? where Seth shines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and you got to think I mean, college basketball as an entity suffers from floor spacing, but you have to think that the, this Tar Heels unit is going to have better spacing just because we expect them to have some better shooting uh, around themselves. Now, with the minutes that Seth would be getting with some of the probably more second unity type guys, you wonder maybe some about that. But hopefully, better spacing gives him more space to get to the basket. Um, now, the other transfer we haven't talked about yet is Jalen Withers, who brings with him, you know, if Elliot doesn't uh, reclassify and come this year for a while, I'd been looking at like, is Jalen Withers going to be the starting four? I didn't love it, but mm-hmm. there was a world in which that was a possibility. Uh, was never really able to just stamp his mark at Louisville. Riley, what what might, 
UNC unlocked for him that Louisville was never able to do. Yeah, with Withers, I I wouldn't say if we can get 15 good minutes a game from him, 15, 20 minutes where he's playing hard and making corner threes off pick and pop or making corner threes or hitting pick and pop threes. That would be fantastic. That would be a huge success. I, I think my biggest fears are just him coming from arguably the worst culture in college basketball this past season. I mean, every time I look at Louisville's Kim Pom page, it gets funnier and funnier until I realize we signed one of their players. Like, yeah. I think they finished 290th. I, uh, like even looking at teams who have finished winless in conference, like the the pit team that went 0-18 with Kevin Stallings still finished top 200 on Kim Pom. Yeah. Or, or maybe right into 200. Even the the Vanderbilt team that finished winless in the SEC under uh, under Bryce Drew, they were significantly ahead of where this Louisville team finished. Like this Louisville team was really bad. I mean, the roster construction was horrible. I think Jalen Withers was playing some two guard for them, yeah. which uh, <laughs> speaks uh, speaks some to maybe why he and the whole team struggled. But I I sort of fear um, the bad habits you can pick up by playing for a four win team, especially one that really didn't value the ball. Um, I've never seen a high major team turn the ball over as much as Louisville did and value possession so little uh, and how bad their defense was last year. That's something where, I mean, we really have to bank on our coaching staff and surrounding Withers with better talent is something that kind of can elevate that. And, you know, he has a little pedigree coming out of high school. He was a top 150 kid, four star and made an all ACC freshman team when Louisville was under Chris Mack and had a pretty good season in 2020, 2021. They were just outside the tournament where, you know, maybe there's something there that you can unlock, but yeah, I, I think Withers, I would chalk him up with that group of guys who has, who has something to prove. And the final piece off of that bench that we haven't talked about yet is Zayden Hyatt. And I say final piece off the bench, and I don't mean that as like he's 11th on the depth chart. I just mean the last one we've talked about. But Riley, where where do you see Zayden in his first year in college coming out of Arizona? Zayden is someone who I think I'm higher on than the consensus. I, like even some recruiting guys I've talked to are seeing recruiting rankings. I, I I think he's more of a five than a four. Um, mm-hmm. I know he had that that one weekend where he put himself on UNC's radar. He scored like 35 points or something, 30 plus points in a couple EYBL games and was just knocking down threes. But I, I'm pretty sure for his like high school and EYBL career, he's in the 28 percentage range from three um, to where he's probably more of like a, a five with some stretch five potential than like a true stretch four. But I like the way that he plays defense a lot. I've watched a handful of his games at AZ Compass and his guards would never get him the ball. I don't know how he didn't get so frustrated, Uh, but he would just do all the little things like he's he's got good length. He plays defense really hard, jumps passing lanes like can can be bothersome with his wingspan. Um, And I think if he's aggressive on that end, I mean, that could get him on the floor for us, because I don't know if we if you were going to touch on this, but. I don't, I don't think this UNC team exactly projects as a high-level defensive team, um, just sort of with the size concerns from Cadeau through Cormac on the, on the wing. Right. So that, that could be something where he earns a role if he's going to get out there and just create havoc like with his length and with yeah. his athleticism. And he's absolutely somebody that can do that. And, and, you know, as hungry as it seems like he is to want to be on the court, like – which is awesome. Like he's going to do those things. So Riley, we, I don't even think I intended to walk through all six of the guys that we have, but we just did. So why not? Um, But out of that, do you expect bottom line, getting back to the uh, initial question, do you expect Hubert Davis 
use of depth and bench to be aligned with the past two years? Or do you believe ultimately we will see him utilize the bench to a greater degree this season? I think this bench is better constructed to be used than the one last year. Um, last year might have been, you know, you could definitely criticize some of the roster construction there with bringing in four freshmen, none of whom were five stars in the transfer portal era. I think that's a, that's a pretty – I wouldn't say that's something I think we see the staff do going forward. Um, kind of a learning curve mistake that they they had there. So I mean, part of me is like, hey, I want to see it first before I, I say it. Because, you know, last two years we had the Iron Five and then we ranked, what, like 320th in bench minutes last year, maybe even lower than that. It was. I think we were one of the bottom four, if I remember correctly. So we were like 360th. With like Kansas right, ben, right below. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But yeah. so, yeah, I, I hope to see it a little bit more. Um, I think if we can get to a, an eight man rotation, that would be ideal to where you have that top five. And this is assuming we don't add anybody else. Right. Uh, if we add another, if there is a wing or a shooting specialist out there, I really, I think that would cement us as a top 25 team, maybe top 20, top 15 ish. But yeah, I need, if, if, as things stand that I like that top five, we talked about, and if you can get Simeon Wilcher and then one of the Jalen's either Withers or, <laughs> or Washington and maybe Seth Trimble as that top eight. I mean, yeah. there's there still go. some still, I still would have like a little bit of shooting concerns with that, but almost every team in the country is going to have shooting concerns. You just see a, a lower level of three point shooting in college than you do in the NBA. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. I have done some deep dives on that and that's a story for another day, but yes, North Carolina finished three sixtieth in bench usage last year, right? Only worse was Kansas rice and Marshall. So Yuck, we'll see if things can get up to 359 at least next season. <laughs> Riley recently did a deep dive in his Davis Deep Dive series on Harrison Ingram and his fit at North Carolina. We're going to wrap the show by briefly talking about that for just a minute. All right, Riley Davis is joining us today. Our guy, we always love having Riley on. Please go make sure you check out all his great work with Heat Check and Field of 68 and all the other multiple things that follow his name you love to see that but riley recently wrote an article about harrison ingram's fit at north carolina as part of his davis deep dives series and riley you posed yourself this question so now i'm going to pose it to you i'll just quote you after flirting with the heels during his original recruitment harrison ingram has finally found his way to chapel hill what will he bring to north carolina yeah, I think the the main thing is his playmaking. And, you know, this is something I'm really excited to see. I, I mentioned this in my – I think I mentioned this in both the Harrison Ingram article and the Elliott Cadeau videos. We ranked 310th in assist rate last season. That was by far the lowest of the Kim Palm era. I think the, the closest was like one of Roy's teams in 2008 was in like the 220s in assist rate. So it was by far our lowest. I think usually we're in the top 100 in assist rate. Uh, and so just having two playmakers who are like, like, I think Harrison is an elite passer at the wing, um, whether he's playing the three or the four, the stuff he can do, like, I mean, he makes live dribble passes off a of pick and roll that I don't, there's probably five wings in the country who can make some of those passes. Um, I know his biggest cr criticism 
at Stanford was he could be a bit passive and disappear throughout games. Some of my friends who are more who are on the West Coast watch more Pac-12 basketball would say he has a tendency to fade in and out of games. And I think he took a decent amount of shots off the dribble last year as well. And that's not necessarily his strong suit. Um, so I'm really hopeful. Like to me, he just seems like a Carolina kid and it could be because his name is Harrison and he <laughs> prioritizes academics. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is just like Harrison Barnes and like your, you know, classic UNC yeah. <laughs> classic UNC player. Um, but I really think with kind of the gravity that both RJ and Elliot Cadeau can create off the, what we'll have off the dribble, like the amount of kickouts they'll be able to get to him in the corner. And he shot 41% on spot up threes last year um, with the amount of attention Armando can command on double teams. Like he's going to get more open looks, more opportunities to, to score. And there won't be that pressure for him to be, you know, the primary option who has to hunt, hunt for buckets or hunt his own shot even. So, uh, yeah, I really I would love to see us use him like on the short roll as well as a screener. I'd love to see us use him as like a grab and go threat uh, off the glass. Maybe start to I really want to see UNC push the tempo more. Like yeah. this UNC team, I think should be top twenty five in the country in tempo between Ingram and Cadeau's ability to throw outlet passes and to just get moving once we once we get a rebound. But yeah, it, with with him as well, I think I I compared him to Theo Pinson. That's sort of been a, a common theme that I, I've seen. I think Pinson moved a little bit more quickly because uh, yeah. Pinson, you know, he's more explosive and had a right. quicker first step. But Ingram's game is more so like he, he might catch the ball on a reversal, probe a little bit, get a post up and and find shooters around him. And I think, you know, Cadeau should be good enough off the catch. Cormac Ryan's pretty great off the catch rj's off the catch it it's it's a fit that i think works well for unc and very excited to see all that everything you just said i'm right in agreement with you riley like there's there's the the passing capability that that carolina should have in the starting lineup if it's the one we've talked about at the one and the four and and other places too but my goodness those primary skill sets for both cadeau and ingram should make for a team that really shares the ball well. Got to get up and down the floor more and looking for that. And I think ultimately the biggest thing, and it's something you said earlier on in our conversation today, is going from Stanford where you're just forced to be the dude to now being third or fourth offensive option. I mean, that that just can unlock the world in a massive way for what you're able to do when when a opposing scouting chart isn't focused in on you primarily that is what I think got Harrison Ingram to where he was coming out of high school. And I think is what's going to put him back in his sweet spot. And that really makes me happy. So Riley Davis, always great to have you. I know we're up against it with our, our uh, show length here. And so uh, we're going to have to find a time to really dive maybe a little bit more into Harrison Ingram uh, at, a, at a later date as we get further towards the fall, and we'll do that. Always great to be joined by Riley and his dog. Man, I wish – can we get him on camera? <laughs> Riley can – Riley's dog's hanging out with him. Uh, for those let of you see. who are watching, look at this beautiful uh, uh, canine see. down there. What a guy. <laughs> What's up, homie? So glad you're here. I know he he, uh, he hopped on the futon earlier. I was like, just please don't do anything <laughs> crazy. And then he oh, laid great. down, and I was, I was curling him up. But he's been whining a little bit. I got him out for a short walk this morning. need to take him out now. But I love it. <laughs> I love it. Great stuff there. Hey, fun well, fact. His name is Scooby, and Brady Mannix's dog also is named Scooby. There so, you go. Great minds think alike. It's a couple Tar Heel legends. Me and, Man <laughs> me and Manic. <laughs> That's right. 
each in their own right. You love to see it. Folks, make sure you check out the Carolina baseball team who starts regional action tonight against Iowa. They dodge that just ridiculous pitching matchup that we were scared of. And so hopefully they can get out of that Indiana State Regional this weekend. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. If you wouldn't mind, go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you find podcasts. Talk about why you love being part of this community. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow Riley at Riley underscore Davis three or me at Isaac Shade. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave your comments on your thoughts on the conversation today. Cadeau's fit, Ingram's fit, the depth, and how Hubert Davis will leave it. If you want to have more in-depth conversation about any of that, email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Folks, we'll talk to you again Monday, but until then, I want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Big thanks as always to Riley for joining us, and until next week... Peace.